Welcome to a long-awaited episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Boy, we have been on a long hiatus. I'm Nate, by the way. I'm Aaron. Yeah, and I used to... That's supposed to be at the end of the show where you give me the signal to introduce myself. Oh, okay. It's your job to say that I'm the co-host from the West Coast and all of that. Yeah, but see, now I'm all thrown off my stride because I can't say that anymore. You are not the co-host from the West Coast. If you're east of me by 30 miles, <laughs> you, you have pulled a reverse clampet, loaded up the truck, and moved to Tennessee. <laughs> I love that, the, the reverse clampet. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh, and, of course, that has disrupted our recording schedule. Uh, it's going to take some time, I'm sure, for you to regain your equilibrium personally and in your family and all that kind of stuff that goes with the big move. It's a drastic move, but dude, you and Jenny, uh, grew up in California, didn't you? Yep. We lived in the same County for most of our lives, about four decades, minus a few, uh, few years in Los Angeles doing school. Yeah. So, yeah. Big. I mean, when you, when you think about from the time that Abby and I came to the Samson retreat, that was the beginning, like first weekend, weekend of November, right? I think so. Yeah. And that was us just checking out houses and considering the possibility. Yeah. And what a, what a crazy thing that within like 30 days we would close on a house and 15 days after that, pack up everything with the six of us and <laughs> what a, what a horrible thing by the way having it was our 16th move in 22 years but all of them except when Jenny and I moved back from Los Angeles uh were within 20 minutes of the last house so we could just take uh-huh. multiple trips for like 5 days yeah 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 trying to pack one's whole life well six people's whole lives into vehicles and move was just about the worst thing I've ever experienced. Oh man. And, and it came during the time when uh, California after years of drought was suddenly subjected to oh my gosh downpours yeah. and rain. And that screwed up yard sales and all kinds of stuff. Didn't yeah. It? Yeah. We had all about half of our yard sale stuff was out in the driveway ready for a yard sale. And then the rains came, ruined everything. No. Three three giant roll-off uh, trailers full of stuff we threw away. Uh, it was pretty pretty fantastic. Anyways, oh, enough, enough whining about those types of things. But uh, it's, it's a strange thing. Uh, I got to tell you, though, it is great to have you in Tennessee. Uh, I know the future is bright for you guys. I am quite certain that there's going to be uh, a period of adjustment, though. How's that going, by the way? Yeah, it's strange. Uh, I was just talking to Samuel about this last night, our oldest son, who has uh, come to one of our Pirate Monk retreats a couple years ago, and uh, just talking about how it really hasn't felt nearly as weird as it ought to mm. for him, um, for the kids, for the most part. It just feels pretty natural. Mm. So it hasn't been, you know, easy learning, learning a new job, getting licensed for a job and new career kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I, I definitely. I realize I have changed a lot in 20, 
five years, but not altogether changed. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I have always, you know, made decisions based on the assumption that things will not go smoothly no matter what you choose. So just choose something and be adaptable. Mm -hmm. And so when I was 19 and Jenny and I were dating, I thought, well, you know, you're going to marry somebody. It's going to be great sometimes. It's going to be bad sometimes. Why not get this thing started? And that was my (laughs) mindset. And so we got married. Yeah. Uh, So it's funny moving here, how the assumption was, yeah, okay, we'll move. Uh, Mondo's got a job that I can do. I'll do that. That'll be fine. Uh, Just Mm -hmm. a complete arrogance in just assuming, yeah, it'll it'll all all be fine. Yeah. And you you get in the middle of it. And the older I get, I'm not quite as uh, exuberant as I was. (laughs) When I was 20. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is just hard. Yeah, um, yeah. The actual living here hasn't felt that strange uh, for for whatever reason. I mean, it's odd. Our our cheap uh, entertainment is to go to the Bunganut Pig because we can pay five bucks for an hour on the pool table. And so last night we had the whole family went there, got some sweet tea, and played pool for an hour. Uh, but driving down Franklin and we drove by your house, showed Jenny your house. Uh, oh. And I'm just thinking like, I have my car with three of my kids stuffed in the back seat of the Scion and Jenny sitting next to me as we drive down Main Street, Franklin, uh, past McCreary's pub where Samuel works now. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So it was kind of a bizarre melding of two worlds. Uh, so all of that's felt smooth. Uh, the the work and just changing, totally changing gears and changing lives is very odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I've been really thinking about you, praying for you uh, these last few weeks. And much to my dismay and to Allie's too, our disappointment is that her surgery schedule has not coincided smoothly with your move. So she's had knee replacement surgery. I've been here at the house as primary caregiver. Uh, That's taken me out of, in a much smaller way, it's taken me out of my regular routine. You know, uh, I'm not in daily contact, face-to-face contact with my community of guys like I'm used to being. And I'm a little stressed by that, grateful to have remained sexually sober during this period, but it's a bit of a challenge when I'm not regularly seeing the people I'm used to seeing. But I can only feel sorry for myself for a few minutes. And then I remember Aaron is a few thousand miles away from the people he's used to seeing on a regular basis. How's that? Uh, You know, you don't have, you do know some people here, but you haven't moved to Franklin. You've moved to Murfreesboro. Uh, it's, uh, you and your family are not uh, in the middle of your accustomed community. How's that going? Yeah, uh, it's it's funny because I've I've always been a catch as catch can kind of guy. So when I'm driving, I'm calling people even back home. It didn't matter that you know they were 15 minutes away. Mm-hmm. I didn't spend a lot of time out face to face, like, Hey, let's go bowling. Let's go. Mm -hmm. You know, when night came, I was usually with the family. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've found that it hasn't like, I'm on the phone with the same people as I'm driving. My job is a lot of driving. Uh, the, the biggest downside of Tennessee is I'm two hours later. 
So oh, I, yeah. I get up very early to work. And so I love being California because I could call all my Tennessee friends, you know, by six in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I have to wait, you know, yeah, uh, 10 or 11 before I can start calling anybody. So my morning drives are probably the most isolating times. Yeah. Because yeah, I usually have like a 30 or 40 minute drive first thing. And uh, so I have to wait till later. But I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm talking, you know, I just. Oh, that's good. Oh, you, by the way, you know how we're going to fix that. You and I are going to go to Scotland uh, at the end of May, beginning of June. You're going to make a whole new raft of European friends uh-huh. in, in friendly time zones. Five hours ahead. That yeah. is That is pretty funny because I just got a text when we started from someone from Scotland where I'm trying to make arrangements for some uh, extra staying for a few days after our retreat. And just last night, I was trying to work out with them the, the time zone difference, five hours. It so is, you're right. Baby. I'll yeah. make, make some Scottish friends. I won't be able to understand what they're saying on the phone. I'm certain. <laughs> It'll just, I'll just do a lot of, uh-huh. Okay. Sure. Sure. No, but, 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 but guys are coming from all over uh, Europe to that Scotland retreat. So, so you'll find some English speakers and, and, uh, and, and some Germans maybe and some French maybe. I don't know what you'll do. <laughs> oh, très bon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So to answer your question, I think it, I think it really speaks to that Silas relationship that yeah. being in daily phone contact with people really is a way to stay connected. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I haven't felt, I haven't felt the loss. I feel annoyed when I can't get a hold of someone for a few days and, you know, mm-hmm. I just want to touch base with them, but it's, it's yeah. been good. And you know what, this period for me also has, uh, outlined, underlined for me, the value of the virtual meetings. Uh, I host one of the virtual meetings. I'm about, by the way, I'm about to host a new newcomer meeting. For those of you, by the way, who aren't yet familiar with the virtual meetings at Samson Society, uh, our goal is to have a virtual meeting every hour of every day. That goal is still a ways off. I think they're close to 20 meetings a week right now. Uh, using this great Zoom technology, you can go to samsonsociety.com. Uh, now, the meetings are only available to members of the site. And in order to keep that site safe, uh, to become a member, you pretty much, you've got to do a video interview of, of a sort. You've got to attend a newcomer meeting. And you get to see us, we get to see you. We make certain, verify that you're Samson material in one. Well, uh, you're, you're making this sound horribly scary. It's no, but it's not. I, I mean, uh, you, you join so, a meeting. Okay. So, and, and like, you know, make sure you're Samson material. This, this is pirate material when you're, <laughs> when you're joining a crew. Okay. Yeah. The, the bar is low. The bar is low. Oh, but we want to make sure you are a real person. Right. Because already we're being bombarded with these fake accounts. I'm sure bots are trying to get in there. Right. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's all about safety for you guys. not Right. Uh, <laughs> right. We're not trying to keep you out. We're trying we're, to keep the place safe. Right. right. We're not vetting the people that uh, ought not enter yeah. the ship, walk across the plank onto the decks. <laughs> yeah. But uh, 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 Tom Mocha, Dr. Tom Mocha uh, of Samson House has been running newcomer meetings on Mondays and Wednesdays now for the last year uh, that at times that are not convenient for everybody. 
So we're adding a couple of newcomer meetings. Uh, Jason Cohen and Neil Brockman will be running one on Thursday nights, uh, Central Time, and I'll be running one on Saturday mornings. Going to need some help, by the way, uh, hosting that meeting because some Saturdays I'll be out speaking. But uh, yeah. I, during this time when I'm pretty much, you know, been confined to the house, confined to quarters under house arrest, they, you know, that's, that's terrible. That's not true. I'm, but I'm taking care of my wife. Um, I've got this window into the brotherhood. Uh, I'm a part of group chats through my virtual meetings. There are virtual meetings I can attend. Uh, and I don't have to, um, you know, I'm not stuck with just myself, which is a, which is a very good thing because as we know, the, Opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It is connection. We have to maintain honest connection, authentic relationships in order to find sanity and stay sane. And we saw at the retreat how deep those connections go on these virtual meetings when guys met for the first time face to face. Yeah. But it was not like they were meeting for the first time. Oh, no. At all. They were, they were brothers. So yeah. it's, it's a beautiful thing to have people out there and to stay connected. Um, you know, find, find your tribe. That's yeah. what it's, it's about. And, you know, what I like is that a number of our guys here in the Samson group who have good local relationships have also stepped into the virtual uh, relation. We, we had one of the guys from virtual meeting show up at our local meeting uh, this last week. He came in from out of state. But there were already guys in the room, a couple of guys that he knew very well because he's in virtual groups with them. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. 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 And if you're in California and you wake up early, I always liked that there were virtual meetings, you know, nine o'clock here, seven yeah. o'clock there or eight o'clock there, six o'clock. Uh, you know, you can you can subtract too, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it was convenient for that, especially for those of you that work later and getting out at night is harder. I mean, I'm finding yeah. with my job, that's very much the case. I often don't get home until seven and to get home after, you know, 11 hours or so and, and then say, Hey everybody, bye and walk out the door. Like I have to make sure that there's enough built in relationally, but to know that there's some morning options out there is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. well, um, speaking of which, uh, You've got, you've got to go to work today, don't you? I do have to go to work. I get to go to work today. There you go. Keep that attitude straight. Um, (laughs) Hey, when, when money trickles in a little at a time that work, you get, you get all kinds of grateful for work. Changing jobs. You find that you're grateful for things that you don't get to do anymore. Yeah. Uh, So, yes. So, uh, you you say that. You say that as if all the years I've been doing this, I didn't go to work after we did the podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure what's in your mind. No, no, no. Here's what I'm thinking. All these years, we've recorded at about this time, but right. it's been two hours early, earlier. So you're, you're in the wee hours of the morning. We have a nice yes. conversation, and then you go off to work at a regular time. Yeah, that's uh, right. All right. So, so now we're in the same time zone. And we're cutting into work time here to have this conversation. We're going to have to figure out, Aaron, a new uh, recording schedule, one that will be conducive to guests. We're going to have to figure this out. We might have to do interviews at odd times and then uh, loop them into the – I don't know how we're going to do it. But we will – we'll get back on a a weekly schedule, won't we? Uh, We will. 
and I am looking forward to figuring out how that can happen where we're sitting in the same room. Because the fact that we're Zooming right now recording this like we did before <laughs> is just, uh, you know, there's a bit of an eye roll with that. You're, yeah. you're sitting 30 minutes away from me right now. Yeah. But, but another great, uh, amazing difference is I'm looking at you. Our poor listeners can't, can't see this because they're listening, but I'm, I'm watching you right now. I'm used to talking to you <laughs> in a shed, uh-huh. right? Yeah. In this tiny space with some, some uh, skateboard decks behind you. <laughs> now I'm looking at what's like a vast hall lined, <laughs> hanging guitars. You know, where are you, by the way? Tell us a little bit about where you've landed. Yeah. Well, so we're in, in Murfreesboro. Now that took me a while to learn to say. Some of the listeners might want to practice it because it is M-U-R-F-R-E. So I, when I first was telling people where we were thinking of moving, I would say Murfreesboro, and man, the Tennessee people were correcting me. You yeah. have to affect a, a drunken state and stir <laughs> that R in. Yeah, Mur- Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but itself, I had never even been here. Like I had no reason to come east from your house. Right. And uh, what a what a great little place uh, technically mm-hmm. we're at the edge of a place called rock vale just surrounded by beautiful country but then we turn the corner and three minutes away is the start of uh, murfreesboro and it's just a great old town and really nice people so yes and and we're in this this house that uh, has a converted garage where i get to have some of my stuff and jenny can have some of her stuff kind of an office workroom which means it's warm right now in here. Oh, man. Isn't that nice? Short sleeve shirt. I don't have to be wearing my Swiss Miss hat. <laughs> well, I'm going to find some reason to wear that hat around town in Franklin. And you have found a local pub in Murfreesboro, haven't you? Yes, the Green Dragon. I recommend it to everyone who visits. Very okay, tell British, us about it. Tell very, us about very British pub. Some guys started it, loved Lord of the Rings, so it's got all Lord of the Rings feel and maps on the wall, and, you know, it just feels like you've walked into some town. Nate, you you and Allie came. What did you think? Yeah, of yeah. Our, I loved it, especially that little table next to the bar for hobbits. The, the hobbit table, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be... Five feet or less to sit there. Yeah, yeah. And 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 fan-friendly prices there on the snacks and good beer on draft. It was nice, really nice. Yep. So it's it's fun exploring new places. I'm generally pretty happy just about anywhere. I don't think I would be happy in the desert. It would mm-hmm. I would have to work a lot harder. I'm not a natural Arizona guy. Um or yeah, just desert. Desert's not easy for me, but around anywhere that there's trees and rivers, it's pretty great. So we're going to have to do have to do another retreat close around here. Yeah, excited about that. Absolutely. Which we we need to plan our next U.S. one for guys that are feeling like they would love to go the Scotland trip, but it is you know in Scotland. So yeah, yeah. and the the next U.S. one will be in Tennessee, November one, two, and three. Wow, look at that. Yeah. yeah. Do you know where? These are these are all it, places exciting. Yeah, yeah. It'll be the same place we had it last year in Eva, Tennessee. Oh, great. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, working on, by the way, working on a uh, great uh, lineup for speakers. Our, our guys are going to be excited when they find out who's coming. Yeah, guys, it is it is worth the little extra drive if you can make it right on a lake. 
uh, are, are they just going to hand over the place again like they did? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll get the whole place to ourselves for the weekend. They just gave it to us. We had bonfires down by the lake in the evenings, had some great conversations down there. Yeah. Uh, what, what, a, what a beautiful place to be. I'm excited. And meanwhile, meanwhile, this spring, uh, we have a, already a good number of guys from the States are decided they're going to make that trip over to Scotland to hang with some of our European brothers. Uh, I've been working hard on finding the cheapest way to get across. I've patched together uh, a system using three different airlines. So we'll fly first to Boston as cheap as we can do. And then Boston to Dublin. Uh, that's a nice cheap jump. And then from Dublin change again, on one of the low cost European airlines to make the jump to Edinburgh. Uh, so we can go round trip for less than a thousand dollars. And, uh, most of the guys who are going are figuring out a way to hang around for a while afterwards. I won't hang for long. I'll be at least one night in Edinburgh after the retreat. The retreat, by the way, uh, will be held on the last weekend before season starts uh, at uh, a young life camp uh, about an hour from Edinburgh. Uh, so really, really looking forward to that time. I, I just hope they have those 1970s songbooks. Do you remember those songbooks? They were like, really, oh, yeah. Really small, and they had the, the chords over. It was where I learned my first song on vacation. I happened to take one of the books from our youth room, probably with permission, possibly not. And uh, <laughs> it, my cousin had a guitar, and I was just bored sitting in Los Angeles at my yeah. aunt's. And I learned to play Cats in the Cradle because Young Life books are filled with, uh, you know, Jeremiah was a bullfrog right yeah. next to come to the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I hope there's some sitting around there because I will take it with or without permission back to America. And see, that's where I'm not going to steal from the Young Life people. But anyways, I hope it's there. And, and that was just a nostalgic moment for any of you that grew up within <laughs> any of that sphere. Yeah, what a great organization, Young Life. Um, oh, oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure that we've got the banner up uh, on the samsonsociety.com or samsonsociety.org website uh, for the Scotland trip. Uh, if you are, no matter where in the world you live. And by the way, uh, the European guys are setting up a GoFundMe page to help their brothers from down under uh, make it all the way to Scotland, the guys in New Zealand and Australia. So even if you can't come, if you can help, uh, make it possible for, uh, other brothers to attend, I believe there is a donate button on the Eventbrite site. I'll double check that. If it's not there, I'll add one. So if you can't come, maybe you can help another brother get there for a life changing weekend. Hey guys, sorry if uh, this has felt like just a whole lot of uh, house maintenance action this morning, catching up, but it is good to be back. And uh, we're going to have a mini meeting coming up so that you can be a part of listening and being encouraged by that mini meeting with guys from all over the country. So we will do that with Mr. Nate Larkin when we return on the Pirate Monk Podcast. If I had my time again.
podcast and back with uh, some special guests I put out a call uh, into the uh, into the virtual Samson universe and asked for a few volunteers to show up to a mini meeting and on very short notice we got some guys who said hey yeah sure I'd love to participate so we're going to do a mini meeting here on the uh, on the podcast hey guys thanks for joining thanks Nate thanks, thanks, to be here. all right Hello. okay all right. Well, here it is, mini-meeting. Uh, welcome to this mini-meeting of the Samson Society. We are a company of Christian men. We're also natural loners who have recognized the dangers of isolation and are determined to escape them. We're natural wanderers who, has, who have found spiritual peace and prosperity at home. Natural liars who are now finding freedom in the truth. Natural judges who are learning how to judge ourselves aright. And natural strongmen are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weaknesses. As Christians, we meet at other times for worship, for teaching, or for corporate prayer. Today, however, we meet to talk. Our purpose is to assist one another in our common journey. We do so by sharing honestly out of our own personal experience the challenges and encouragements of daily Christian living in a, fa in a fallen world. Uh, hey, let's take a moment to introduce ourselves. Uh, I'll begin, and then uh, since we're doing this virtually, I'll call on each each man in turn. Uh, and please give us a brief statement of your reason for attending this meeting. I'm Nate. Hi, Nate. Hi, Nate. Hi, Nate. Uh, joining from Middle Tennessee, Franklin, Tennessee. And I have, uh, I'm so grateful that we uh, can do this because I'm in desperate need of a meeting. I have been out of circulation for a week. Uh, my wife had knee replacement surgery a week ago today, and I am her primary uh, caregiver. Uh, and it has strained her patience and mine. I am not a natural nurse. I'm an addict. I'm self-centered. Uh, she's been in pain, but by God's grace, we've been through it, and I have uh, made it through the trial sexually sober. I'm very grateful for that. That's miraculous. That's a, but uh, but I'm still a little bit sideways. I need uh, a safe place for honest uh, conversation. Uh, I need some insight. I need the help of brothers. So I'm really glad to be in this meeting. Thanks. I'm Nate. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Aaron. Hey, hey guys, I'm Aaron, um, calling in from uh, Hamilton, New Zealand, Hamilton, New Zealand, and um, I'm here uh, at home alone at the moment. My wife is doing, uh, she's away for two weeks, doing some training for work, and so, um, yeah, being that I'm uh, 
I guess more susceptible to temptation. I, uh, um, you know, I draw strength from um, my brothers and and from these meetings. So yeah, I'm, I'm here to be encouraged and built up in my faith. So thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Jonathan. Hey, I'm Jonathan. I'm from Frederick, Maryland. And, hey, Jonathan. Um, the reason uh, that I'm here is something that I heard on either this podcast or the Positive Sobriety podcast recently that's been ringing around in my head is that um, I think the guest said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, but connection. Um, and that's really been you know rattling around in my head a lot. And for me, I know that there is a lot of truth to that in that when I connect with other guys and be honest about where I am and hear their hearts, um, it really helps me in my recovery. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan. Paul. Hey, guys. This is Paul Conan from California. Hey, Paul. Hey. Um, yeah, I just been. Uh, I just love coming to the Samson meetings. I just love the. I need the fellowship. I need the connection. Um, and uh, just I learn something every time. And mostly, I just uh, have a need to come out of hiding and be known um so this is a great safe place for that thanks and paul thanks paul uh justin hey i'm justin hey justin, hey, justin. from uh, fayetteville uh north carolina and um come here uh weekly if not several times a week uh, for the three things i'm stealing everybody's stuff uh, fellowship <laughs> uh accountability and uh, connection. Um, I, I think that those are like literally my pillars. Uh, you know, it's the pillars that, that, that from my start to finish. And if, if I don't do those three things, I'm alone and I'm in a dark place and I'm not safe. So um, thanks guys for uh, being here for me. I love you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Well, uh, we've now reached the sharing portion of our meeting. In sharing, we speak honestly out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves, knowing that our brothers will listen to us in love and will hold whatever we say in strictest confidence. Uh, we try to keep our comments brief, taking care to leave plenty of time for others. We address our statements to the group as a whole rather than directing them toward any one person. As a rule, we refrain from giving advice to others or instructing them during the meeting, believing that such conversations are best reserved for private moments between friends. Uh, suggested topic today is hope, uh, but we're not confined to that subject. You may speak about any issue that's currently commanding your attention. The floor is now open for anyone who wishes to speak. I'll start. My name is Justin. Hey, Justin. Hey, Justin. So uh, Hi, I, I, I'm fortunate to still have a wife that loves me dear and dearly, and I definitely love her dearly. And um, I remember from the start to now, every day I think about that word. Um, I think about that word because it has two meanings to me. It has a meaning, a combination of trust and faith. Um, and you can't have hope without one or the other. It's got to have both. Um, yeah, I think literally when you said that word, Nate, it, it, it it was like a dart in my heart. So um, I just, I had hope in, in my relationship with my wife. Uh, I had hope in my relationship with, with God in this whole process. Uh, I have a seven-month-old son. I have hope in him. Not just uh, 
that I can be a great father to them, but that I can uh, be honest with them, um, teach them that Shane cannot control his life. It doesn't have to. I'm obviously teach them about Jesus and um, have hope that I can break the cycle. Um, and uh, that obviously is every man's struggle um, in some shape or fashion in their life. Uh, so it's a very powerful word. Um, at the same time, it having those two meetings and being so powerful, I think it's, it's to the point too. Um, you got to believe. And uh, in that, I found out no matter what happens every, every day, I have to have that hope. Um, and I have to believe in that. Um, no matter how hard my day is, no, no matter how stressed I am, how tired I am, how hungry, how angry, any of the triggers, I go back to it and I say, I have hope in God that, that uh, I can continue down this path and my three foundational principles that I've learned from listening to you guys, uh, from devotionals and uh, other uh, wisdom in my journey that I've learned from others. Um, I don't have all the answers, but I do have hope. Thanks, guys. I'm Justin. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Justin. Hey, guys. I'm Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Jonathan. I'm thinking about how fragile my hope is, um, at least my experience of that hope. Um, I, I am a morning person. And so there's a lot of times where I'll get to, you know, 10 30, 11 o'clock at night and I am utterly hopeless. I am, I am thinking there's no way I'm going to make it through this week. Um, there is nobody that really cares. Um, I am thinking that I am just going to completely fail, um, at my recovery journey, you know, all of these different things. And then the next morning, you know, I'm filled with hope, optimism, uh, and it, I laugh at it sometimes. I speak with my wife because she's like the opposite, um, that she is very optimistic at night and not so much in the morning. Um, but it, as I think about that, I just realize how fragile my experience of hope is, but that that doesn't mean that there is no hope when I'm not experiencing it. Um, and so I think that that's really important. And it's something that um, being in community has helped me with significantly in that I can see other people who have hope and just cling on to that hope, grab onto that hope when I can't feel it myself because the hope is there. Um, you know, as Christians, we believe that, you know, God who began a good work will complete it. Um, and yet sometimes I lose sight of that. And so it can be really helpful to be in a group with other guys where that are in different places, you know, some may be not feeling hope, but some may be feeling hope and um, being able to catch a little bit. That is important. I was at a meeting just, uh, just this past weekend where a guy was celebrating five years of sobriety. And I was just, I was, I was filled with hope as a result of that meeting. And um, it encouraged me a lot to, keep pressing on and to believe, you know, that change is truly possible. It's not just, you know, it's just not a concept, um, but that hope is real and it was real for this guy. And he was able to, you know, get to this place. And that gives me hope that that might be possible for me also. Thanks guys. I'm Jonathan. Thanks Jonathan. Thanks Jonathan. Hey guys, this is Paul. Hey Paul. Hey, Paul. So hope. I'm for for years. Um, I was the opposite. I was hopeless. Um, 
I, uh, all I could, uh, I, I remember distinctly thinking, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I'm such a wreck. Um, I don't know who can fix me. Um, God doesn't seem to be fixing me. And, you know, I was always looking for that encounter with God, that experience that, you know, that conference, that nugget. Um, and, um, so that was, I guess, me coming to myself to, or just getting desperate and, um, just realizing, all right, maybe I'm going to have to travel somewhere and, you know, I'm, I'm, pro I'm probably going to lose my job anyway. I'm going to lose my life, um, because of these compulsions. So, um, I might as well, um, you know, do something serious about it. So I traveled to Colorado Springs. I saw a counselor, a therapist started going through 12 steps, um, and just really, um, kind of started a, a cocktail of a, approach of just, uh, I mean, restoring the foundations, uh, uh, you know, cleansing stream. I mean, you name it as trying everything. Um, and, um, it really, honestly, it, and, and I, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of progress in that. I even, even had a couple years sobriety when I was doing the 12 steps, but I still felt like there's something wrong with me. I still felt like there's more. And so honestly, the corner for me was turned um, when I started listening to podcasts and uh, I found Samson, I found um, um, some other ministries and, and I started getting in a relationship um, when what, and I've come so far into, to realize I feel like for the first time, even recently, I have hope because I know what, uh, what, listen, what has led to me being the way I was in terms of attractions, in terms of compulsions. Um, I started learning my story. That mm -hmm. was huge. I just, the whole, Holy Spirit was just absolutely um, magnifying that, that term when I was listening to, um, I think, Dan Allender on a podcast and, um, and just hearing getting to know I said I want to know my story and I started learning and realizing that man because of the way I was raised um, things led to me being um, going into hiding I have hidden from relationships for my whole life I've hidden from intimacy I've hidden from you know these things that now I'm coming out of and I'm starting to learn connection through safe relationships and learning to take risks I got a long way to go, but it's, it's at least I know, at least there's hope in knowing that, wow, I am not, you know, it, it's, it's done so much, done, done wonders and um, kind of destroying the toxic shame or at least lessening it because now I'm starting to realize and I'm coming into a relationship like this and saying, hey, this is who I am um, and this is what I've done. But, um, you know, I know, um, you know, that God is, uh, you know, he, he has a plan and, and he's, uh, it's almost like God, you know, didn't want to just give me that magic pill uh, because he wanted me to uncover um, these things about me and, and, and learn about um, who I was and what all the different things that have contributed to making me who I am in my journey. And, but uh, I just, and, and I, I noticed that being in a relationship has been, has been key for me. And so ironically for someone like me who was hiding from relationship, I kept trying to do recovery without the relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll pay that person to give me some nuggets. I'll pay that person to facilitate, you know, this group and give me the knowledge. Uh, and I realize now that was an ego trip. <laughs> that was just me, uh, doing more of, um, you know, of, of what, uh, what I 
needed the opposite of. And so um, just love coming into relationship and the whole, it's, it's not, it's not an easy journey. It's not a quick journey, but that's the beauty of it. It's just, it's connect. It's like life for me. It's, it's step-by-step step, it's day by day. Um, and, uh, and it's with people, um, around me and, and I'm learning that. So all of that gives me hope. So thanks. I'm Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. Hey guys, I'm Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Griff. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I remember going through my teenage years, um, well, I'm just about 33 now, and um, but no, from the age of nine till 21, just sort of being hopelessly addicted to porn every day, um, just constant addiction, um, and that was that was hopeless. And then, uh, you know, I just thought I'd never change. And I, coming growing up in a, in a Christian household with my parents were ministers as well. Um, uh, well, they were youth workers, and um, just sort of that feeling that I was the worst one in the family, and and like you know, like my, you know, the sort of rosy coloured glasses that I was wearing when I looked at my my folks and my family, it was just like I um I was the one who was shaming or bringing shame or disrepute on my family and and all of this sort of stuff, and I was totally hopeless and. Um, I remember I came into the light when I was about 20, maybe 21, to a pastor at church. And, you know, like I started counseling and I started doing this and I reading, um, you know, Every Man's Battle and putting a rubber band on my wrist and doing all of these things that people were telling me to do to try and basically stop, to try and turn off my libido, to try and turn off these desires because they were wrong and they were shameful. And, and that was the that was the next 10 years, 11, 12 years of my recovery, which wasn't really recovery. It was just um, me trying really hard to, uh, to be better. Um, and I can't really honestly can't say if I was trying to earn my salvation or if I was just trying to become a person that I actually could look in the mirror and have some respect for. But, Either way, I was working really hard, and <clears throat> and I was trying all the tricks that all the books said to do, um, and I read them all, and I uh, was just just it was just like a cycle of despair, <clears throat> you know, like I might go a week or a couple of weeks clean, and then it would just be straight back into it, and and got married when I was twenty three, and thought, hey, that might help, as a lot of people think, and that didn't help. Um, it actually drove me further into shame, further into secrecy, um, and further into hopelessness. Um, and I, I heard sort of on the wind, I would hear like a story every now and then, oh, you know, that this person's broken the habit of sexual addiction. And and I sort of like, I never really believed it. I, I was always on my own. I was always by myself. And, and, and I was sort of like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's very nice for them. And. Um, you know, but I'll, I'll never, I'll never experience that because I don't even know why. Um, but yeah, to be honest, the first time I've really experienced hope in the arena of, um, freedom from 
slavery to sexual addiction has been um, and uh, it's, it's such an important lesson that I've learned that over the last six months being part of Samson, you know, I've strung together, you know, like two weeks and then three weeks and then, then four weeks and then six weeks. And, you know, like I, I actually seeing such progress and I've been getting to know guys and I've been involved in, in the lives of other men who are putting together you know, six months in a year, and and I get to see that it's not just a, a, a rumor or a whisper on the wind. Now it's something I get to experience firsthand that men are experiencing freedom, and man, that, that gives me hope. But uh, I could never, I could never see that hope or experience that hope in isolation by myself. Um, it's only it's only as I, I've really come into community and. Um, gotten to know some Samson brothers and um, just connected with people that I've, I've seen that hopefulness. Um, I always just thought sanctification was, you know, the Holy Spirit was just gonna, just gonna fix me. Um, <laughs> and um, what I'm beginning to realize now is that, yeah, God gives me the strength to overcome bondage to sin, but but He works through He works through my brothers. He works through the church. He works through. Um, other men who who can encourage, who can remind, who can you know, who can give me give me a slap if I need it, you know, mm-hmm. who can who can snap me out of my self deception if I need it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm just just starting to see glimpses of what God ha- actually has intended for for me uh, in terms of who I'm supposed to be, the man of God I'm supposed to be, the husband I'm supposed to be. Um, and I've just started to see glimpses of what marriage can actually be, like the, the joy and the blessing that it is. Um, and it's still hard work, and it's not it's not always fun. But you know, I'm starting to see um, more and more like what it can be and what God intended, uh, and that gives me hope. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint, and um, got a long way to go. And uh, but yeah, no, there is, I, I'm finally seeing that there is hope, and it's such an encouragement. Um, so yeah, I'm such I'm so blessed to be part of this this family and this brotherhood. So yeah, thanks, I'm Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. I'm Nate. I'm Nate. Hey, Nate. Nate. Hey, Nate. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, you know, this journey of recovery couldn't begin until first I had given up false hope. I had a lot of false hope. I had misplaced hope. I had hope in my uh, own intelligence and in my own resourcefulness and my own willpower. Uh, I placed uh, in, in my ability to uh, somehow find and internalize the, 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 uh, the final piece of the puzzle, the thing that the, the silver bullet that would end it all. Uh, I was going to be smart enough to outwit uh, this addiction, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, so for me, uh, the journey couldn't begin until I came to a place of utter hopelessness and despair. It's amazing how many times prior to recovery, before actually uh, stepping into the light and looking at other people, uh, you know, joining the human race, in the years before that, uh, how many times I was able to to, uh, you know, put together some false hope 
uh, and tell myself that, you know, I'd finally cracked the code that if I just followed this ritual of behavior in the morning, or if, uh, you know, that if I said the right prayers in the right way, whatever, uh, that I would be able to conquer this thing. I know that hope is absolutely essential. We have to have, we have to come to the end of ourselves and we have to put our hope in the right place. Uh, and of course there's, at least for me, uh, in those days, there was always a voice that said, if you can't hope in yourself, there's no hope. Uh, there was this cynicism that just tracked, uh, tracked me and stalked me. Um, and I was, uh, you know, I, I went from putting my hope in other people to finally reaching the conclusion that I couldn't put my hope in anybody and that there was going to be no way out of this, right? Um, and then, you know, what a huge blessing to walk into a room. And uh, and there were guys there who administered hope like oxygen to me. And there were different things about those early conversations that were life-giving to me. First was when I would meet guys who had years of sobriety and guys who had months of sobriety. And um, that, that, that gave me hope. Of course they were, when you ask them how they did it, they were always quick to say that they didn't do it on their own. Um, that it, it was something that was done for them. And uh, being a part of a brotherhood was absolutely essential to the process. The other thing that gave me hope was uh, when other men in the fellowship stumbled. And instead of disappearing, they just showed up at the next meeting and talked about it. Um, they didn't go to despair because of a slip. Uh, they weren't lectured and they weren't ejected from the group and they weren't shamed. Uh, they were honored for their courage in telling the truth. Uh, they were given uh, some sympathy. They weren't given unsolicited advice, but when they asked for advice, it came, no strings attached. There were men there to help pick them up. Um, and that I really needed that um, because uh, I initially saw sobriety as this, you know, this huge step that I had to somehow take. I didn't see it as a series of steps. I didn't see it as a process. Um, and to learn that a slip didn't take you all the way down to the bottom necessarily. Um, that my hope could survive a relapse. Now, relapse isn't part of every man's story. There are, I know a few guys who have been sober since their first meeting. They surrendered quickly. They did everything that they were uh, was suggested for them to do. They plunged into the brotherhood. They got themselves a Silas or a sponsor. They they did the work, and um, they never had a slip. That's uh, wasn't my story, and uh, nor is it really the common story in recovery. Um, and I remember the wave of despair that hit me with my first slip. Um, and the urge to run and just to go back into the darkness and never come out again. Uh, 
and uh, to have hope mediated to me from the fellowship, uh, you know, that grace, that was just huge. And it continues to be huge. And, um, and that's why in my relationships with guys, I, I want to make sure in my daily conversations, not to paint too rosy a picture of what my life is now. My life is good, uh, but it's not perfect. Um, and I'm sexually sober, but that doesn't mean I'm necessarily sober. I, <laughs> I find other ways to medicate uh, on a daily basis. And I uh, am quite well aware that no matter, as I often say, no matter how far down this road of recovery I go, I'm always going to be the same distance from the ditch. Uh, at the end of First uh, Corinthians chapter thirteen, Paul says, "You know, there are kind of there are three, three things that he says abide. These are these eternal things: faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love, but hope is in the top three. It's right there with faith and love. Uh, and I sometimes uh, call myself a hope dealer. I, I feel that sometimes that's the biggest." gift I can give a man. I love doing intake. I love having conversations with a man who's just, you know, who has just hit the wall and starting to face the reality, the stark reality of his addiction. I want to do two things. I want to help him abandon all hope in himself. He needs to come to that despair. At the same time, I want to be able to show him that there is a hope. Uh, and there are, uh, brothers that he can walk with and there's a new life out there and what feels like the worst day of his life can turn out to be the best. So, uh, yeah, grateful for hope. Hey fellas, we got a few minutes left. If somebody would want to double dip, um, we don't want to shortchange the listeners to the, to the podcast. Everyone else can step in again. We got a few minutes. I think, uh, hey, hey Paul. Hey, Justin. Oh, Justin, go ahead. Um, all this being said and done, I think that I've always been a glass half full kind of guy. And, and I, and I, my earlier conversation was all the things where I want to get to and the hope where I want to get to, but does mean I don't remember my past. I don't remember my past transgressions. Um, so I've learned from those mistakes. Um, I'm not proud of them. Um, I'm not proud of all my sexual impurities, but uh, no man's perfect. And I know that. And I know God has grace and he's forgiven me. And uh, I've surrendered, like you said earlier, Nate, I have. Like, what else do I have to lose? I got nothing. Mm. You know, this is it, you know. So in that statement, um, through my trials and tribulations, I've built up that hope because I think I was every other guy here tonight that same story hopeless um, especially when I went in one dark part of my life and uh, that hopeless component it was from with God it was with my marriage it was with everybody and all I cared about was me um, and in my life personally my opinion is I can't have hope and think about me um, I have to put God and hope together. Um, I mean, that's possible, but I can't have that. If I have hope in myself, I'm driving myself back to no connection. Um, so 
Yeah, I'm Justin. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Thanks Justin. Justin. And, and by the way, listeners, uh, if you've never been to a face-to-face Samson meeting or sat in a virtual Samson meeting, uh, a big part of the meeting, one that we get to be comfortable with, uh, is long moments of silence as men just kind of sit with the truth of what's been said. And I'm getting feedback here from somebody. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you hear some silence in the room, that's okay. We learn to just kind of sit with what is until uh, another man has moved to speak. So let's give it a couple more minutes of silence. And then if somebody has something, go ahead. Okay. So after my big speech about how comfortable we are with silence, I'm, I'm nervous about dead air on a podcast. All right. Well, I'll just say, this is Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. I'll just say that um, what we're all talking about here tonight is what I've experienced. You know, I'm experiencing uh, pulling some of this hope from you guys and um, all of you guys, the stories and what you've shared is giving me hope for, um, you know, today, tonight, um, the next week. I'm going on a business trip for five days next week, which typically is a very challenging time for me. And, um, you know, I'm feeling hopeful about being in this community and being able to rely on my brothers through whom God works, like you, like Aaron was saying. Um, and I'm just really grateful to have had this time with you guys just now. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan. Jonathan. All right, fellas. Well, thank you so much for uh, stepping in and participating in the uh, mini meeting. And we'll share this with uh, the greater audience, the listeners to the Pirate Monk podcast. So hang on, listeners. We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Monk podcast. Yes, you better slow the Mustang down. Mustang Sally, my baby. Yes, you better slow the Mustang down. And we are back on the Pirate Monk podcast. Well, it is it is so good just to feel like we are getting the ball rolling again. After a yeah. couple months here, it always feels like it's hard to get back in the groove. But as we will we will figure this out. <laughs> yes, we will. We will. Um, this is just too important uh, a conversation to let lapse. And. Uh, uh, We've got some, by the way, I have been in conversation with prospective guests. We're going to have some real exciting guests on in the weeks ahead. So stay with us. Make sure uh, you keep checking back regularly. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe uh, and share it with your friends. You can always uh, reach us too. We'd love to hear your suggestions, your comments. Send us a note at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you, answer questions, hear your thoughts. Right. 
Well, until next time, then, I'm Nate. And I'm Aaron. Yes, and we are your pals <laughs> on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Arg. Thank you.